Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people just like you. I'm your host, John Katsavos, and today we have an incredible story that will inspire and empower you. Joining us today is Dave Richmond, an author, public speaker, and endurance athlete who believes in the power of storytelling to form meaningful human connections. David's book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, explores the untapped potential within each of us. Not only is David a talented writer, but he continues to push his own limits from conquering Ironman triathlons to competing a solo 4,700-mile bike ride. He exemplifies the spirit and perseverance that most of us are lacking, including myself. Today, we delve into the lessons David has learned along the way. We discuss the importance of living for ourselves, setting measurable and attainable goals, embracing the power of the middle of the pack, and we also explain the mindset of doing hard things while navigating life's peaks and valleys. Prepare to be inspired by an incredible man as we embark on this extraordinary journey with David Richmond. His insights will ignite your motivation and empower you to take your life to the next level. But before we dive in, I want to invite you to join the Fitness Oracle newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll be the first to know about our new episodes, gaining exclusive early access for their release to the public. But that's not all. By joining, you'll also receive a one-on-one phone call with me where we'll discuss your fitness goals and chart a path toward achieving them. Plus, you'll gain free access to our vibrant community where we hold engaging calls and discuss episodes and how, how you're applying the lessons to your own life. And as a member of our exclusive community, you'll unlock exciting programs designed to help support you in your health and wellness journey. Are you ready to transform your life? Join the Fitness Oracle newsletter today and embark on a path to a healthier, happier you. This is an opportunity you don't want to miss. So let's now dive in into our amazing conversation with this remarkable man, David Richmond. David, welcome to the show. What is happening, John? Uh, lots. Lots <laughs> is happening on a personal level, but we're not here for my personal stuff. <laughs> we're here today to talk about your amazing book, Winning in the Middle of the Pack, because I went through it um, on my trip to Vancouver for two weeks. Yeah, And I'll be honest with you, on the flight back, I had about halfway through and I couldn't put the book down. I, I I was reading it through the entire flight, four and a half hours. I had oh to my God. force myself to stop so I could use the bathroom because I was ah. just dying at one point. <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore. I got to go. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Thank you for taking the time to read it, man. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to be diving into that book because there's a lot to unpack from there. There's so many valuable lessons that you that that you. Yeah that you go through. And I really want to dig into it. But before we do, I just sure. want to ask, you were at the US Open. How was that yesterday? 
Oh my gosh, it, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, be honest, mixed feelings because I'm not so sure I'm agreeing with all the politics of golf and where some of the money's coming from and all of the infighting. And I'm not sure I'm down with all of that, but it is amazing to be on a course that is as historic as the LA Country Club and watch these just amazing athletes. And, you know, I always uh, tell people that really don't understand golf, the reason why people that follow golf are so passionate about it, because it's the basically the only sport that we can actually try to do. Right. I'll never be able to hit a hundred mile an hour fastball. Put me, put me in front of a, uh, of, of a, of a check from, from, from Kachuk and, 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 and I would faint, right? Like there's no, there's no way I could do anything that any professional athlete could do, but God, every once in a while I hit a good golf shot. So I'm like, Oh man, now I know what that feels like every time. It's amazing. It's always really fun. That's awesome. Um, I always start off asking my guests what first got you interested in this line of work but i know we're here to talk about endurance running and endurance yeah. uh endurance running and long distance running and sporting events mm -hmm. so what first got you involved in that kind of um i don't want to say work but it is work but it's yeah it's passion yeah passion it's passion uh you know, it came, it came about accidentally, John. It just, it came about accidentally. It was a number of different factors. I, I was never athletic as a kid. I mean, I was a swimmer, but, but never really pursued athletics. And certainly as an adult, um, life got way too far in the way for me to enjoy anything athletic. And I didn't kind of have my act together in that front until a little bit later in life. And I guess, uh, what happens to a lot of people, uh, I know you can speak to this as well, but what causes change is usually hitting rock bottom. And, uh, and you know, everybody's rock bottom is different. Uh, mine was, uh, I was overweight. I was a smoker. I was married to an abusive alcoholic. Uh, I have four-year-old twins that I was completely worried about, um, protecting them because she was getting increasing more violent. Um, and, I, although I was successful at work, I was very, very stressed out in my life and I was very, very lost. And I, I was literally at my ropes end going, how the hell am I going to get out of this life? Because I should not be living this life. This is not the life I should be living. And just through a couple of different events that happened in my life, kind of at the same time, I kind of got a, you know, my first like true, real positive wake up call. And that was to say, hey, put on a pair of shoes and start running. And and I I didn't even know how to frame that. I didn't have any goals. I didn't have any idea on what that meant. Uh, it was just an idea, like, let's say, maybe that's the opposite of everything I've been doing. M maybe that'll lead to something. And it, it just did. Now, that's interesting because... In uh, in one of your chapters, decide to live for yourself. In your book, winning the winning in the middle of the pack, you actually yeah. talk about that that story. And it, it it was it the running shoes or the rollerblades that first? Got oh you? my god, well, it's the rollerblades for sure. <laughs> Holy crap! Oh my god, what a story that was. He's I'll tell you, that's so funny because for a guy that's not athletic, I set out to do this 
87 mile, 85 mile rollerblade. I think it was 87 mile rollerblade race, like rollerblades. What the hell am I? I mean, I lived in Southern California. I lived near the beach, you know, and I could put on rollerblades, but I didn't know how to rollerblade. Right. So, oh my God, that's so funny. Yeah. I totally spaced on that was the first. Yeah. The first thing was, was shoes with wheels on it. <laughs> and and that deciding to live for yourself, it's it's an odd concept, man. It's a very odd concept. It was so foreign to me. Um, yeah, I know you probably got this from the book, but I wasn't aware of it until I forced myself to try to figure my crap out. But I had lived my whole life not taking care of myself, not doing what I think I should do for me. Not I didn't I wasn't mentored or raised that way. I nobody help me figure out that I've got to live for me. I've got to, you know, chase my dreams. I got to figure out what my goals are, you know, like those kind of things. I, I just reacted to the situations that I found myself in, which made me live to please others. And and I think we can all agree with that. You know, you, you, you get a job, you better work harder than everybody because the boss expects it and not because you want to, because you have to, and you get in a relationship and you start you know, doing bad behavior because you have to, to save the relation, whatever, however you want to say it. But when, when, you know, for some people, maybe it's natural for them, but for, you know, when do you come up with the idea that, no, you have to put yourself first. It's an odd concept. And, 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 you know, it was very foreign to me. Yeah. And it's, um, for most men, it's a very odd concept. It's not just you, it's most men. And the biggest thing that we actually have a problem with is getting over our own guilt. How did you do it? Well, I still have a little bit of that, right? I'll tell you as a quick side note, I'm doing this event in three weeks that I came up with and it's a ridiculous endurance event, like completely stupid. And, and, and I, you know, hopefully I can finish it. It's a, it's a big deal for me. And, and, you know, just, I, I put it out there in the universe. So I have to go do it. And even yesterday I was telling someone, uh, that I'm having a four day birthday bash at, at our house, like a four day birthday bash. And she goes, Oh my God. Well, uh, I know you're doing the, 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 the birthday bash after your big endurance events. Cause you, cause you get to relax and enjoy it. And I go, no, I'm doing the 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 event because that way I won't feel guilty about having four days of attention on me for the birthday. Like I got to earn it. Like I got to, <laughs> I got to go out there and prove that I, that like, like I deserve to relax. Right. Cause I feel, I would feel guilty. And, and it's like, I still carry that a little bit, but I, I think um, most men do feel like you, I don't think it might be mostly self-imposed, but I think we feel like we have to fix the situation. Right. Yeah. And I think that especially if you have a crappy mother, especially if you have um, a really bad home situation growing up, you yearn to fix that. You yearn to reverse that. You yearn to prove that you do deserve to be loved, that you do deserve to be safe. And you got to always fix. There's very few men that I know that were in bad relationships. And I mean, most men I know have been in bad relationships. All of them have kind of one thing in common, right? Bad relationships with their mom. Now, you got a good relationship with your mom. You probably have a chance of having a good relationship 
in life unless you've learned things and learned how to overcome those problems same thing with with women and their and their dads right you know i had a friend that said i don't date anybody if they answer the question other than fantastic when i ask them how's your relationship with your dad if they say anything other than it's fantastic i don't date them because mm-hmm. that it's a problem right unless you've worked to fix it and in yourself but we're used to fixing everybody else's problems which we can't do anyway but that's what we try to do it's interesting because um, you've had a horrible, horrible experience with your mom. Like mm-hmm. after reading your book, I'm like, I thought my relationship with my mom was bad, but uh, yeah, that you're, it that just takes the cake. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Uh, has every no, it's all good. Everybody has their own their own thing, but yeah, it's 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 a strange thing. I'm turning sixty in July, which is just weird to me to think about, and. And I'm thinking, yeah, I think I've gone now more than 40 years and only said maybe three sentences to her or had her reach out to me. She never once reached out to me in in 40 years. Like, what the heck is that? 40 plus years. That's, uh, that's bad. (laughs) Like I said, but do you, uh, where I was going with the question is, do you find that, um, these extreme endurance races that you do, do you feel that it helps you, um, clear up all the stuff that's going on in your head because I've, I haven't done endurance races myself. I've always mm-hmm. wanted to do it, but, uh, I just, I, I, I like, and after reading, not just your book, I've read another person's marathon. He's a, a triathlete and I'm mm-hmm. like, I want to do it, but it's just, it's just, I don't know. There's just this fear of shit. I don't think I'm going to fucking finish. And I'm, I'm like you, like, I don't want that DNF at the end of my name <laughs> right <laughs> well it's it's actually not about the the dnf and it's not about the finishing it what it, it's hard because it sounds uh you know kind of out there but I, i've come to learn that i don't believe that you can receive therapy or you can receive advice uh you can you cannot receive people counseling you or mentoring you or having a positive impact on your life. Um, partly because they don't know you. And the reason that they don't know you is most of the time is because you don't know yourself. And uh, how do you explain how to fix something when you can't see the thing that you're looking at to be fixed? And so I think that, that a lot of, you know, really hiding the essence of you prevents you from accepting help, assistance, counseling, advice that will make an impact in your life. The only way to reverse that is to get to know yourself and be honest, which is a hard, hard, hard thing to do, to be honest, to admit what you're really good at because you you don't want to bring attention to yourself and you don't want to sound like an idiot and you don't want to brag and you don't want to be an egomaniac and self-centered and you know, uh, oh my gosh, if I really believe this one great thing about myself and it turns out to be not true, then what the hell am I all about? There's a whole lot of reasons why we, then we don't want to admit our faults because, you know, we're supposed to be perfect or we need to be perfect or whatever, right? So taking an honest, honest assessment of yourself, John, is really, really hard to do. But if you do it, I've found, maybe this isn't for everyone, but I found doing endurance athletics gives you the time and the space to work out your shit to 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 
to contemplate your problems, to understand why you are a certain way. And it's not just the lessons you learn from doing the athletics. It's the time alone. It's the time to contemplate. And those, it's no other thing can give you that. When, when, if you're going to go do an Ironman, John, you need to, at some point, you need to be training 20, 25, 30 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. When do you ever free your mind for 20 or 25 or 30 hours a week? Are you kidding me? You probably haven't done that this whole year. No. Right. In meditation, you're worrying about, am I meditating? Right. You go to yoga. There's other people watching you. You can't do the thing. Is that, is that, teacher going to touch you on the back and help you out and i can't relax oh my god i gotta hurry up and get to the grocery store you go to a movie you're not contemplating yourself you're watching the movie when do you ever take hours hours and hours and hours day after day after day week after week after week to contemplate these heavy issues we just don't we just don't do it and so that's what endurance athletics does for me i think i think that's a point that that a lot of people don't understand about it it's not about the event I mean, yeah, part of it is you want to push yourself. You want to see what you can do. But more of it is about just being with yourself and being present and, and, and discovering who you are. And you talk a lot about that in your book, a lot. Like I have to say, like it, it we're going to get into some more deeper topics a little bit later on in the show with it. But uh, you got me thinking a lot about myself especially um like i remember the longest the longest run i've ever done was um 10k mm-hmm. and i miss it it took me like an hour and 15 minutes to run 10k but yeah. i mean it was always like that that um that i want to quit right now like i would reach 5k i'm like i hit 5k okay i'm done or i had two and a half k i'm done i'll go right. for a little bit of a walk but it was like, okay, I'll do the walk after the next turn, after yeah. the bridge, right? after right. this, after yeah. that. And, yeah. it, and it just ended up just me doing the whole 10K. So one of the chapters you really talk about, like setting measurable and attainable goals. And I really like that because mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of us, what we have a tendency of doing is we set these huge astronomical goals that are just completely unachievable in this short period of time that we have. And it's like, we always come up short. How would you help other people to um, identify the means to set proper achievable goals? Yeah. And, and that's a really great question because it's a process you need to learn because there's several aspects of it. It sounds basic, but it's not basic. It's very, it's very specific. So, so one is you have to have specificity to the goal. I want to lose weight is not a goal. I want to get rich is not a goal. I want to, I want to be debt free. Mm, Yeah. It's kind of specific, but it's not really specific. Okay. I want to be happier in life. I want to sleep more. These are not specific goals. They're just statements. So one, it needs to be specific. I need to sleep at least seven hours per night, six nights a week. One night's a freebie. Uh, I need to lose 15 pounds by December 31st, 2023. Right? These are specific goals. Okay? So one, they need to be specific. Number two is they need to be attainable. 
Well, guess what? There's a wide range of attainable, okay? It's attainable for you to set a goal of, I want to run around the block, okay? Ah, well, okay, that might be a really high goal for some people, but for most of us, that's way too low of a goal. I want to make it to the 2026 Olympics. Mm, not so sure that's attainable, okay? So it needs to be somewhere in between way too easy and impossible, so, but, but it needs to be a stretch goal because if it is too easy, it won't cause you to transform it won't cause you to adapt okay it, so it needs to be something that forces you to adapt so it's got to be a high enough goal but most importantly is it has to be measurable because else how are you going to hold yourself accountable to the things you need to do to reach that goal so it has to be measurable so i do these things like like uh, every quarter i set a goal and, and I and, and and athletic goals, right? And they might be like the uh, one I did a couple quarters ago. It's easy to explain it. It it was called the 10, 20, 30, 40. Okay. I want to do 10 runs, 20 bikes, total of 30 workouts for 40 hours every week. What? That's it's it's unbelievable, right? So uh so anyway. Whatever the specific, ridiculous, attainable goal that you're trying to get, but it's got to be measurable, okay? So um, if you want to lose weight, you go, no, I want to lose 15 pounds by December 31st. Then you go, okay, that's measurable. I got six weeks or six months until then. I got 24 weeks. That means I need to lose a half a pound per week. I'm starting out at 203. That means I, I want to be, you know, one, one, one you know, 188 or whatever the math is i want to be 188 which means uh you know by a week from now i need to be 202 and a half in the following week 202 and blah, blah. it's got to be specific now you can take the actions to do it and 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 if it's specific and measurable and attainable now you can have some accountability to achieve it and if it doesn't matter to you you're not going to do it you're not going to try to achieve it so I know it sounds a little bit preachy, but the goal has to be important to you. If I told you right now, seriously, John, go go run a half marathon. You could go do it. Like, you know, you might be like, I'm not really interested in running a half marathon. Well, no, I'll hold you accountable to it. You're like, I don't really care because I don't want to do it. So it has to be something that you're passionate about or learn to how, how to like my athletic goals. I learned how to be passionate about wanting to accomplish it. Not because of the finish line or the fear of the DNF, but because I wanted to see what I was made of. How cool is that? That is cool. That is cool. And a big part of it, it has to be a little bit painful as well. I agree. I agree. Um, and, 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 and in endurance sports, it's painful. I've heard horror stories and i want there's one story in your book that you talk about where uh you just uh <laughs> this is what i love about you this is so this is so great like you just woke up one morning i'm like eh, i'm just gonna do a 50 miler oh. <laughs> you ran through that a was... creek with your socks on and you're like you half your pinky toe was falling off and you're yep. you still kept going it's like yeah what <laughs> i have a friend who John, I have a friend. I just saw him yesterday at the at the golf tournament. Who says he just since he since he read my book, and this he uh, he read a few years ago. He goes, he can't eat jelly beans anymore. <laughs> 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 I 
because when I when I started this this it, I started this run, and I, I didn't know I should have run through water. I, I, what do I know? I just, I, I just didn't know, right? And and so I was it was a trail run, and and of course running through water is a problem. You got to have dry socks because otherwise the socks start to bunch up and they rub against your feet and you might end up with blisters. In my case, I ended up with a blister that was really bad. And when I got to the aid station at like mile 22 or something, the doctor like came up to me and he said, all right, take your shoes and your socks off. And I did. And he sees this like dangling piece of skin, the size of a jelly bean. And he goes, he goes, he hands me the scissors. He goes, Hey, you can cut that jelly bean off. I'm not touching it. And I'm like, what? So I said, okay. And oh my God, I cut a piece of my own skin off. What the hell was I thinking? And then I wrapped it up and, and the nurse helped me wrap it up and I got going again. But uh, it, 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 it ended up, it ended up taking me down like to my knees for hours at a time. Yeah. Um, and it brings up a really good talking point because it, it really helps um, solidify the fact of how, how important is being prepared so you don't fail, so you don't go uh, into that amount of pain, not just to just a marathon, but anything in life. Yes and no. I agree with that. Being prepared and understanding things is great, but I also think that you uh, gotta sometimes just jump in and and figure it out. Okay, so let me give you an example. I, I I'm not sure if I put this example in the in the in the book, but here's an example of if I said be prepared for the situation. No way you could be prepared for the situation. Okay, but here's the situation. There's a 50 story building and across the street is another 50 story building. And I'm going to put a ladder across the top and I'm going to tell you to go crawl from one side of the building to the next. Hell no, there's no way in the world you would do it. And I said, well, would you do it for $10 million? And you go, well, I might. And I go, okay, I'll hang on first. I got to turn the wind up. Now would you do it for for ten million dollars? You're like hell no, and I said, what if I told you you could never work a day in your life and never have to pay another bill? And you go, ooh, I can handle the wind on that ladder from the thing to thing. And I go, oh, okay, well let's throw a little rain on you, and then you go, oh no, no, that's that's not possible. Okay, it's just not going to happen. And then I go, I'm going to give you nothing, and I'm going to put your baby, your little two year old baby in the middle of the ladder. Are you going to go across? You don't even think about it. You're not prepared. It doesn't matter what the payoff is that you're doing it. It's not like you're just going to figure it out. Right. And somehow, some way you're going to do it. So you can't prepare for that. And certainly I can't tell you what you should be motivated by, but if it's the baby, if it's the 10 million, if it's the not working, you'll do it, whether you're prepared or not to do it, you'll figure it out. Right. Cause it means like that much to you. And so, yes, you have to be prepared, but you're never going to be prepared. Did I, did I put in the book about the run in Mexico and the dogs? Yeah. yeah. No, you didn't put about the dogs, but you did put about running in Mexico. Oh my God. So a uh, part of that story is I ran for uh, 85 miles from Cancun to Tulum and in the middle of summer, if anybody's listening that knows Mexico, 
that's the Caribbean side of Mexico is freaking hot. Yeah. And at the end of June, it's really hot. And this is before Cancun to Tulum had uh, everything was was built before that. They just finished the new highway. So it was starting to be really developed. Cancun was very developed, but but uh, north of that or south of that wasn't Cancun, Tulum. Um, uh, yeah. Um, all the areas in between, you know, Playa Carmen, those they, they were not um, uh, developed very much. And we prepared, John, everything. I had signs. I had permits. I had bribery money for the local police. I had everything thought through, right? The whole thing, because I did a solo event. And and I had writers. That, it, was, it was crazy. But the one thing I didn't prepare for, a mile in, John, a dog started chasing me. A rabid dog. Crazy <laughs> ass dog. And I went, why the hell did I bring any pepper spray? What was I thinking? And so the, the driver honked the horn and the dog went, you know, went away. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> and then like 30 minutes later, two more dogs came again. And, and then and then a couple of more. And then another one, another one. They they made such a joke of it that they kept a tally. 42. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> during a 22 and a half hour run. That's how long it took me to run that thing. 22 and a half hours straight. During a 22 and a half hour run, I had 42 dogs tried to attack me. That's crazy. And it's like, how? why did I ever Because you can't, you can't prepare for yeah. everything. But the one thing that I actually really admire about you and your entire, uh, your entire mindset is that even though like stuff happens, like bad stuff happens, you just keep pushing forward. You just keep moving forward. And there's this one part in the book where you talk about that, where, you, where you're like, okay, I'm just going to take that next step forward and see where it goes. I think it was um, at that it race was, with the jelly bean. No, right? it was in the, in the race with the, with, with the, with the rollerblades. And, and it's a picture yeah. in my head that just never goes away. And, 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 and it, it's a weird thought, <clears throat> but it's a strangely empowering idea. And until I discovered it, I didn't know what it meant. And until I knew what it meant, I didn't know how to apply it to myself. And until I applied it to myself, I didn't realize how powerful it was. And I'll tell you the quick story behind it. So I had no business, none, no business doing this 87 mile rollerblade race from Athens to Atlanta, Georgia. It was just there's no way I should have been doing it physically, mentally, athletically, whatever. But I did it. And about, I don't know, it was maybe like 25 miles in or something. I hit the wall. I was done. Uh, it, was a, it was so far over my head. And But I was kind of proud of myself that I had gotten that far. And I, I leaned over. I got this big hill ahead of me. And I, and I lean over and I'm, I'm sweating like a pig It's hotter than hell. I didn't understand the basics of hydration, nutrition and electrolyte loss. And I mean, I was carrying a backpack full of stuff. What the hell was I even thinking? Right. <laughs> and so, um, I'm just sitting there going, man, that's it. You're just toast. You're toast. And, and I look one way and I got 50 odd miles, 60 miles ahead of me of the nonsense that I've been doing for only 25 miles. And I look behind me and there's a, there's the sag wagon, which is the little van that picks up the stragglers that can't make it. And you sit in the van and they drive you to the finish line. And I go, okay, well, I can, I cannot be ashamed, right? I did my best and I'm leaned over and, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This is not a analogy. This is, this is absolutely what happened is I'm sweating so much that 
I'm just dripping on the asphalt and it creates a line. Wow. And the sweat create a line. And I go, well, okay, you could quit. And you, 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 you're on this side of the line and you knew everything about yourself. You hit the wall, man. That's as far as you could go. And then I went, well, uh, I mean, gosh, if you take one step, like just go one step, you discover something new about yourself. Like you, you get to a place you never could ever imagine getting to before. Like, imagine that, like, you know, everything about yourself and now you, you learn something new. And I went, Oh, uh, okay. I could take one step. And then I go, well, the next step you learn something new and the next one and the next one and the next one. And somehow that powered me to go, I'm not running from anything. I'm not chasing anything. I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to learn. Like, how cool is that? I get to see what I can do and what the world has to offer me and how do I overcome the challenge and how do I, whatever. And it just became this draw. So I, I, I always think, I always think about that. Like anytime you hit a wall and sometimes you have to quit, right? We, we know that. But whenever you're hit with a difficult situation, if you can just press forward, if you can just find a way to keep going, you're going to discover, you're going to learn, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to find out what you're made of and what, what the world has to offer you and how you interact with the world on a whole new level. And it's super, super, uh, uh, invigorating. It's a, it's a, it's a somewhat of a drug, uh, learning, learning about stuff. Mm -hmm. And we were actually going to segue into hitting the wall, which is a great little, uh, great little story that you just, uh, that you just brought. And this is a real thing for a lot of people, not just in endurance races, but also in like in personal lives, in, yeah. in your personal life, in, uh, in business, the wall is real. And once you hit it, a lot of people just stop. And I love how you just say, just take that one step further and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Was it recently, somebody recently, gosh, Oh, I, I don't remember the specificity of it, but somebody recently told me a story of like, they had put in like 80 applications for jobs, right? And they were like, done. Okay, this is what I want to go do. But clearly out of 80 applications, I'm getting no response. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to be able to pursue that. And then they were pity poor me you know, whatever, going back, they had, they had just closed that thing because the wall was just too hard to overcome. And on a whim, uh, he looked up uh, uh, some listings or whatever, and it was a Sunday afternoon, and he was getting ready to go back to his job on Monday and not quit, and, and, and uh, he sent uh, an application on a Sunday, and 20 minutes later got a phone call from the owner of the company who says, yeah, hey, it sounds like you might be perfect for us. And now he's, he's, he's gone up. I, I remember who it is now. Now he's gone up in the company and he's starting his own division of that company. And it's like exactly what he wants to do. And, and, and I asked him, I go, dude, if you didn't just like take that one last step, like, where would your life be? And he goes, I'd be so freaking miserable right now. And I'm like, imagine like, like okay, you got to, at some point you got to stop. You got to know when to stop. Right. Right. Sometimes you got to give it up. Yeah. But sometimes, man, if you could just do, do that one last thing, that one last step, look around one more corner, right? If you could just do that one more time, it really, you never know what could happen. 
And so that's a very, it's a very cool concept. And it's hard because when do you quit and when do you not quit, right? That's, that's a hard thing to determine because you got to know when to quit sometimes. But oftentimes I think we quit way too easily. And way too soon. Oh, yeah. Um, just on a personal note, um, I was in the same boat with this man that you're talking about. Uh, before I came back, for, when I came back to, to, to Toronto, I was uh, broken, completely and utterly broken people that know me know me how broken i was like i almost committed suicide i almost jumped off a, a 26 story building because i just couldn't take it anymore and it was like just like your friend like i was putting i was applying to jobs getting interviews nothing was coming out i put i must have put out at least a thousand applications oh my god at least a thousand wow i was in vancouver reading your book in training for a job I landed. And not only that, I got another offer in a, in Athens, Greece for the job that I actually want. What? In the place that I want. So wow. I may be travel. I may be leaving Toronto and North America to live in Athens, Greece. Oh so, my gosh. And that job was just like, yeah, okay. I'll just apply just to see what happens. Like, right. I'm not, I'm not going to get it. And they're, they're like in love with me. They're like, yeah, we want, we want you. We, uh, we, we want you to be here and we want you to do this job for us. I'm like, yes. Wow. That is really cool. It's really cool. But there's something else that I want to talk about that yeah. a little bit later, but what I want to focus on right now is the middle, the middle of the pack, mm. the middle of the, the, the embracing that middle. And it's so contradictory to what we've been learning our yep. entire lives yep. that we need to be number one we need to win no matter what we do we have to be the best why should somebody embrace the middle and not strive to be the best at what they do yeah it's a good concept because i you know when i explain it to people you know what's the middle of the packer and oh, i'm just the middle of the packer and you know what? I, they, 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 a lot of people initially don't agree with it, right? I'm not saying being mediocre. <clears throat> I'm not saying that. But here's my analogy: is this? Look, at one end of the spectrum of humanity, we have people that don't care what anybody thinks, right? They're gonna do what they do, and they're very, very successful. No, nobody ever told Oprah Winfrey what to do. Right. Nobody tells Elon Musk what to do. Okay. They're just even your, your, your PM. Nobody tells him what to do. Right. They love him or hate him. They don't listen to anybody. They're absolutely in control of what they do. They're way overachievers at whatever they do. And that's that. Okay. I can learn from them maybe, but I certainly can't identify with that. I, I'm never going to be the world's best this or the world's best that I just, it's just, not everybody can do that. And I'm comfortable with that. At the other end of the spectrum, you got the guy that's living on his couch, his mom's couch at 40. You've got the drug addict that, uh, you know, no matter what you tell her, she's going to continue to take drugs. They don't listen to anybody either. Right. They're, they do whatever they want to do. They don't listen. They're not influenced by anybody. They, they do whatever they want to do. Very self-centered, very self-focused at either end of the spectrum. Right. I don't identify with either one of those, but in the middle of the pack, everybody else, all, all 99.1% of us, 
uh, in the middle of the pack, right? We're always trying to please others and listen to others. And what do we do? And how do we make them happy? And how we, uh, and I got to take this advice and I got to do that. Uh, and I adapt to what people tell me I should do. And, oh, I got to chase this because that's what my parents said I should chase. And, oh, I can't be a, this because my parents said I couldn't be an actor. And, uh, and, you know, and my boss says, oh, you know what? You're not creative enough. We're going to put you in operations, not marketing. Right. Right. And so we listen to everybody else. We don't listen to ourselves. And in the middle of the pack, that's the beauty of it. If you realize that you're in the middle of the pack, just realize nobody's watching you. Nobody cares. Right. It's just up to you. And how amazing is it to think like the people at either end of the spectrum, but just accomplishing what you want to accomplish and doing what you want to do. It's absolutely remarkable. And so, you know, there's people that we know that would go do a marathon, John, and they would let the whole world know, right? Oh, look at me. I'm going to be a right. And they make a big deal of it. And they like, they like wear their medal for a week to let everybody know that they did the marathon. All right. Good for you. Right. But how about the person that goes and does a marathon and you, you never heard about it? How amazing is that? Like, really, they're just doing it for them? And so that middle of the pack is this concept of if the only person that matters in this sense is the person in the mirror, then, um, wow. I mean, how empowering is that? How incredible is that? And I think that... Um, the story of the first half Ironman I did is is what made me think of the middle of the pack. And and I think I mentioned that in the book. I'll tell it super quick. So I, I was getting ready to do my first triathlon of a half Ironman distance. And I had never done any of the individual distances before. And I was only about five or six months out of quitting smoking. So I still was, quote unquote, a recovering smoker. I was still overweight. I, I didn't really understand triathlon or endurance athletics, but I said, well, what the hell? I'll, I'll see if I can do this stretch thing called a half Ironman. And I get to the start line and I watch, there's a wave start. So I go, I go watch the people in the first few waves and they're all where you're going is Greece. They're all, they're all Greek gods. They're all, they're all like no fat and they're beautiful and they're, they're athletic. And I'm like, the hell am i doing here like this is ridiculous i don't belong in this group right i'm a total fraud i'm an idiot i don't belong here and i almost left i literally john i almost turned around and left because i was saying like i don't belong here i'm not part of this group right and then the gun goes off and the first wave takes off and there's like yeah the you know 90 percent of the greek gods go flying in the water and they and, and they're athletes but then I look in the back and I'm like, look at that dude, man. And he's on his back. It's, and then this other guy's swimming circles and somebody else can't put their head under the water. And I'm like, oh, what the hell? Like, they don't care what anybody thinks. They're just trying to do this for themselves. Like, they have to know people are watching. Oh, wait, maybe they don't even care if anybody's watching because they're not doing it for people watching. They're not, they don't care what people think about themselves. They set a goal and they're trying to do what they can do for themselves. I don't know what their backstory is. Maybe this they were afraid of the water. Maybe they almost drowned as a kid. Maybe, I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. and, and and they're out there doing, giving their best. I go, they don't care. Why the hell do I care? 
What do I care what anybody thinks about what I'm doing? Right? If they like it, okay, good. Good for you. If you're inspired by it, fine. If you think I'm an idiot, fine. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. How? I, so I copied those horrible swimmers going, if they don't care, why should I care? I love what anybody it. thinks. Only thing that it. matters is what I think. It's a hard concept because uh, we feel guilty, right? We don't we don't want to have that kind of attention on ourselves. How can I how can I be that self self-centered? But no, it's not it's not. It's self-care. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's like, wow, it's important what I think of me. Yeah, it's something that uh, a lot of people have a problem with. I'm, I'll be I'll be flat out honest with you. I I also have a problem problem with that too i'm always worried about whether what other people are uh, thinking about me like how is my podcast doing how is my business doing my business not making any money so something is wrong and this but it's like taking that concept that you have of embracing the middle and just living in it i i I really like it i really like it Mm -hmm. i have to admit think about this like if you are an artist okay let's just say you're not a famous artist because otherwise you'd be doing it for a living, but whatever you do for a living, you're an accountant, but you're a really good artist and you love doing art. Okay. Now you could continue to do art because you hope it'll make you famous or you could do art because when you finish a piece and you put it up in the house and, and you have guests over, they just adore you and, and shower you with all of these great compliments Or you could do it because it's therapy for you. Or you could do it because when you look at it, you go, I fucking created that. Like, oh my God. Like, look at the hours and the thought and the, my vision came out and it's like, holy cow. Like, wow, that is, that's, that there's so much to it. And it's just for me. If nobody else saw that art, it's absolutely 100% worth it, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, some people get famous. Some some of it's vanity. But 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 if you're doing it just because you want to do it, how incredible is that? Uh, you know, just just yesterday, when I said that, you learn these lessons all the time, right? Just yesterday, I I uh, uh I was invited to this, this this big thing and at the golf tournament and and one of the main guys, he's a friend of mine, he forgot his hat. He's a bald dude. He forgot his, how can you forget your hat if you're going to be outdoors all day and you're bald, dude? That's just not, that's not, that's not cool, right? So I went to the, um, to the concession stand and I walked, you know, half a mile over to the concession stand. I bought myself this hat. I, I bought him a hat and I came back and I threw it up and I go, here you go, Dave. And he goes, oh man, you didn't need to do that. And I go, trust me, dude, if I needed to do it, I wouldn't have done it. I wanted to do it. Like, I appreciate you. You're a good guy. Look at all the stuff you've done for me. And you wouldn't have gone and bought yourself a hat because you felt guilty that you had a hat in your car and you didn't want to spend whatever reason you wouldn't have done it. So if I had, if I had to do it, if I needed to do it, I probably wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. It's because I wanted to. And it's like, it's a good concept. Like, like, like everything you do, you get to do, or you, it's because you want to do it. It's a neat concept, right? I love it. Yeah, it is a it's a great concept. It's a great yeah. concept and something that um I think we we put like these false expectations on us and like like I said before like uh like we were talking before about like setting um unmeasurable goals and stuff like that. It just it just if it, it, it um it blurs the vision that we had at the beginning. How do you stay focused to say, you know what? I 
get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Yeah, it, it would I wouldn't have been able to do it earlier in life because I didn't have mentors. I didn't have people that that taught me how to think that way. But it it certainly is as you as you you know get more mature, as you get more perspective, that is a thing. And you know, I'll give you a, a, a silly example, okay? Um when I was 8 years old, I remember I remember uh coming home like second third grade and and I asked my mom what was for dinner and she looked at me she said whatever you feel like cooking I said uh okay and I don't think she ever cooked me a meal after that so right and I uh, oh, there's some positives on that I learned how to cook <clears throat> but there's some negatives on that that wouldn't have been nice to be able to be taken care of a little bit when you're fucking eight years old okay yeah so when I had kids I would make them dinner literally every single night. I make a big deal of it. We all sat at the table and we talked about what's our best part of the day and what's our worst part of the day. And you know, what was the funnest thing today? And, and I would make these dinners and, and they would invite all their friends over, you know, a couple times a week, maybe even more than that. A lot of times, especially in the summer. And I remember, you know, eight or nine years old, I've been doing this for a few years with the kids and, and one of my kids, my, I think it was my daughter said, said, uh, dad, you don't have to do this stuff. It's okay. Like you don't have to. And I'm like, I fucking get to do it. Are you kidding me? Like, I, like this is a, this is a good thing. If I had to do it, I might have a bad attitude about it. If I had to do it, it might not be something I'd want to do, but I get to do this. <clears throat> I, I have kids. I love hanging out with you. I get to cook you dinner. Like if, if it's a have to, do something else, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's um, when you yeah. can. I mean, yeah. We have to make money. We 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 have to please the boss. I mean, there's certain things you have. I mean, can't, you know, I'm not going to be an idiot. There's certain things you have to do, right? Like you go to the grocery store and there's a big line. You kind of have to wait in line, right? You can't just yeah. say, "Oh, I get to wait in line." No, let's let's be real, right? But to the extent that you can. Just think, is this something that I have to do, I need to do, or is this something that I get to do? And if it's something that you get to do, enjoy it. Somebody told me the other day, be where your feet are. Like, like if, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. If you, if your feet are there, like, like be there, like you get to do that. You get to do what you're doing or change it. Interesting. Because sometimes if you do change it, it could lead you down, down the path that one is a is unknown and B could lead you to ruin. Possibly, but I don't think so. You know, I'm not saying walk like, like I have to go to work on Tuesday. Like I'm flying to, to, to Florida tomorrow morning at seven 30 in the morning. Right. I have to, I have to get up early. I have to go to bed a little bit early. I have to get up early. I have to get to the airport at a certain time. I have to go on this business trip. Right. So if I just said, oh, these are a bunch of have tos I don't want to do, fuck it, I'm, I'm going to not do it. Yeah, that might be some consequences. I don't, I don't think would be very good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm, you know, to the extent that we can, and then I, I kind of think like, you know what? Like I get a pretty good paycheck, and I get to do that, and I, I'll be able to write on the plane for four hours and solve some issues, and I, I, I actually get to go see a friend in Florida while I'm there. So, you know what? It's all right. It's, it's, it's okay. You know, so I'm not saying chuck, chuck everything. 
but you can rewire your brain to th- say, is this something I have to do? Or is this something I get to do? Mm-hmm. That's really cool. That, that's a really cool concept to have. And I, I'll be honest with you. I had that. I had my own little aha moment on the plane as we were just about coming in for a landing in Toronto of just finished reading your book. And yeah. I'm like, I have this opportunity that just came up here in Toronto. It's a great opportunity, good money, amazing benefits. The, the company is phenomenal. Yeah. The coworkers are the best coworkers I've ever worked with. Yeah. I just don't like the job itself. And here on the other hand, I was reached out to from this company in Europe. It's a huge company. I've been doing the job for like six years. Yeah. And everything is in line. I don't know what the pay is going to be like. I don't know what the life's going to be like, but it's been a dream of mine to live in Greece for yeah. 20 plus years. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm freaking out right now. Cause I'm like, if the money is right, the benefits right. are right in Greece. Do I give up this opportunity that I have with this company? Or do I just follow my heart, follow my soul, follow my dreams and go to Greece. So it's like this, it's, it's um, deep down inside of me saying, yes, it's screaming. Yes, go, go. But on the other hand, it's like, I have this secure little thing that's already here and it's all, I'm going to be nice and comfy. I'm going to be financially stable. I'm going to have everything that I need, but my dream is to be there. So it's, it's like, like, that's a it's, dilemma. That that's a, a dilemma. huge dilemma. And it's yeah. like, um, yeah. how do you get over dilemmas like that? Like yeah. big life changing dilemmas. Yeah. I don't know that I'm qualified to talk about that. It, it's <laughs> a, it's a tough one. I mean, you, you know, how many times in your life, John, and I, I'm sure anybody listening could say this, where you just knew to your core, it was the right thing to do X and the next step it failed. Like many times, right? I mean, it's just, it's just, you just don't know. I think what's important is if you can be really in touch, really in touch with what would make you happy and you have the opportunity to fulfill what would make you happy, then do it. Do you know? Mm -hmm. And there's something to be said for saying, I'm not taking this risk anymore. I'm not going to take those chances anymore. There's something to be said for settling into making the most of your current environment and not taking the risk, right? Because it's like uh, there was a comedian that talks about like dating and he's like, hey, you got a chick in the car and you get off on the exit because she's going to get out and you're going to get find a better chick. And you go, no, wait till the next exit, right? No, I'm going to wait till. So you keep driving with that chick and you go, oh, get off at the next exit. Eventually you got to just say, I'm not getting off the exit, right? Like this is this is my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing to that's a good thing to not always be looking at what's the next exit, what's the next better thing. Maybe the thing that you have in you know in Toronto is the best thing you'll ever have. You don't know. Right? It's possible. It's possible. It's okay. possible. But it's also possible that the best thing that you'll ever have doesn't fulfill you on a certain mystical level that you need to be fulfilled on. And maybe you go to Greece and you fall flat on your face and it's the worst decision you ever made. And you come back and Toronto doesn't exist anymore. 
And then you go, what the hell am I going to do now? You just got to go. I tried, you know, I tried. Mm -hmm. I, I, if you're really in touch with what matters to you and you have an opportunity to fulfill what really matters to you, you have to try it because you know, a month from now, a year from now, 10 years from now, you will never be given the opportunity to make this kind of decision again, ever. I ever. one I 100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. So try to get in touch with what is the thing that is the most important and which is the thing that you would say I get to do. And if you get to, if you get to go fulfill a dream and it doesn't work out, are you going to be unhappy? No, you chased a dream. What's wrong with that? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's a very deep concept, right? Are you worried about the outcome or you're worried about the intention or you're worried about the process, right? Do you have the right intention? Do you care about the outcome and what's the process of it? And, you know, a lot of guys were worried about the outcome. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that are broken worry about the outcome. Oh, I'll be better when my job gets less stressful. I'll be better when I have more money in the bank. Things will be better when I have a bigger house. Things will be better when I have a, a, a good relationship. That's an outcome thing. It does, never works. You yes. know, so... If you're not focused on the outcome, but you're focused on, are my intentions true? Am I being true to myself? Is this really like a, do I, am I being 100% grounded, honest, open? And can I look myself in the mirror and talk out loud and go, John, you're thinking about moving in Greece. Is this really what you want? And talk to yourself in the mirror and go be grounded and understand. And if you got the right intention and the, the process of it would fulfill you, regardless of the outcome, you, then you have to do it. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we are coming up close to the end of the show. Ah, and these go. are the nine or 10 <laughs> questions I ask all my guests. I just want to have your perspective on these uh, nine or 10 yeah, questions. With the increase in people suffering from depression from the past couple of years of uncertainty that we've been living in, what would be the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? Uh, I'll tell you, and I wouldn't have told you this a couple of years ago, right? Because nobody knows John, nobody knows Dave, nobody knows any of these listeners, right? We all, well, we don't have any collective experiences. We, nobody knows what we've been through these last couple of years. We all know what we've been through, right? How, how cool is it to know that we all collectively understand like nobody understands what it's like to be poor and to be homeless and to have a gun in your face or to have a parent that is a piece of shit or to have an abusive relationship or to have somebody walk out on you. Like we don't get those things because nobody could understand it. Right. But this whole thing that's gone on the last few years, just the turmoil and the nonsense and the emotional headache of it all and the uncertainty and the crap and the politics. And guess what? We all experience it together. So at least, at least realize that you're not alone, right? I mean, that's, that's my opinion. I, I couldn't have said that before this. I don't think we've had a collective worldwide experience where we could just go, what the fuck was that? Like, seriously. Yeah. And we all get, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But when you say that about anything else that happened in your life, people kind of don't get it, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, what's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Uh, you, you know, it's, it's very easy for me, John, because I, I have a whiteboard that I look at every day. Well, unless I'm traveling, but, but I look at it every day and it has very specific measurable goals on there. And I create a little box next to each goal and I use a red or a green check mark to see if I've done it. And I update my goals every quarter. So, uh, um, yeah, sometimes I check out, but most of the time I don't. And if I check out, it's never for more than a day or two, but uh, focuses, I see my goals on the board. And if I put it out there, they're important to me. So if they're important to me, I stay focused on them. And they're stated. And I can see the scoreboard. Like, you, cool. you ever had somebody who could care less about the ho about hockey and you're watching a game and they just walk through the room, they could care less, right? They don't care what the scoreboard is, right? But if hockey means something to you, you what's the score? What's the score? What's the score? Yeah. Who's, who's, who's doing this? Who's doing that? Right. Mm -hmm. You care. So I, I keep a scoreboard because it's important to me to see what the score is. Cause, cause I, cause I like the, I, I like the game. Very cool. Um, if you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the thing that everybody probably could have used. That's like you and me. And that is, dude, just relax a little bit on yourself, right? Just stop. Like, just take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Like, it's okay. It's going to work out. Like, like, just, just relax. Just, just, just take it easy. Stop beating yourself up. You know? Look, looking back, would you change anything? Ah. Uh... Anything that I could control, yeah, I have a couple things I would change, but you can't control most things. So I'm going to say mostly the answer is no. Okay, cool. Um, what's more important to a man, his word or his purpose? Great question. Uh, I would say his purpose. I would say his purpose. Because if you're dialed in, if you're dialed in to, to the right motivation, if you're dialed in to the right purpose, then you don't have to say anything. You're just going about your life doing the right thing, right? But your word can be broken, maybe from circumstances not in your control. You know, like say what you're going to do and then go do it. Yeah, it's a good thing. But But the going to do it, I think, is more important. That's your purpose. Cool. What scares you? Uh, really only one thing. There's only one thing oh, besides heights. I don't like heights. <laughs> uh, well, I don't mind heights. I don't like edges of heights. That scares yeah. the shit out of me. <laughs> but re really the only thing that scares me, and it's more of a, not a fear, but it's like, uh, am I wasting time? Do you know? Like I, I like I, like we only have one thing we can't control in this world, and that's time. It's it's moving. There's nothing we can do to stop it. And so, yeah, am I doing things that are wasting time? That that like how much time did I waste, or have I wasted time? I don't want to waste any time. Mm -hmm. So that's the one one thing that that drives me. Maybe from a period of being scared or fearful, is am I making the most of every minute that I can? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? 
Uh, same place I am now. I'm happy uh, setting goals, trying to figure out who I am, what I'm all about. I'm going to turn in 60 and I still feel no doubt my best days are ahead of me. I got a lot to learn. I got a lot to figure out. And uh, I'm going to start a lot of new projects and some of them I'll finish and can't wait to see where that takes me. Very cool. Uh, where can people find more about you? Uh, well, thanks. Um, they can find out about me, books, expressive writing, you know, some public speaking that I do, whatever, at uh, cycleoflives.org. That's a good website for me. I'm on there. Contact me if you anything interests you. I'm I'm uh, I'm pretty responsive. Me and my team, and so it's a uh, cycleoflives.org, and we do also a lot of charitable work. So that's that's a pretty co cool thing too. Very cool. And we'll post uh, the links to not just your books, yeah. both your books, uh, but also to cycleoflives.org for people to have easy access to you. And I highly recommend people picking up a copy of Winning in the Middle of the Pack because it is it's a really good book. Like the stories Thanks, in there, the stories in there were really, it, <laughs> like I was on the plane, I was laughing, I had tears in my eyes. I, would, I went through so many different emotions just reading your book. It was just, it was just like listening and reading the story of your sister and how much she meant to you. Yeah. Like I have a sister and like picturing my sister going through that. It would just, it just, it just devastated me. And some of the stories about the, um, the Iron Man with you on the bike for hours upon hours, oh getting God. the getting the butt sores <laughs> and everything. I yeah. was just howling in the yeah. airplane. Everybody was looking at me like I was a madman. That's but awesome. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Always humbling to know when people take the time to read the book because Jesus, 10 million books out there and 10 million shows and 10 million podcasts to listen to. And somebody takes some time for you. It's pretty cool. So Definitely. I know you appreciate having listeners. I appreciate having readers. Definitely. Definitely. Um, any final thoughts before we close off? No, just thank you. And, uh, appreciate it. Keep doing what you're doing. It's very cool. Uh, great conversations and, um, no, no final thoughts. Just everybody go out there and do all the stuff you get to do. David, thank you so much, uh, for coming on the show and thank you so much for introducing me to your book. Uh, like I've yeah. said before, it is a great book. Um, thank you. Thank it's you. one of, like I, I had four and a half hours on the plane ride back from Vancouver. I, if the time flew by, just the stories in there were just nice. so deep and so personal and so amazing that I just, I couldn't put it down. Like I told you before we started this, this show, like I needed to go to the bathroom and I couldn't go, I couldn't put it down because I didn't want to end it. That's so, awesome. It That's was just awesome. wait, wait till you get to, if you do have the time, wait till you get to cycle of lives. Those are some stories that'll, that'll, that'll just work. Yeah. They're, they're amazing. Oh, I'm definitely going to dive into cycle of lives nice. next. Like, well, definitely. have me back when we, when you're done, we'll talk about that one. Sure. Sounds yeah. good. <laughs> All right, John. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before. And you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night, wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey guys, John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. I just wanted to thank you for watching this episode and I really do hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit that bell, 
and share this episode if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker FM, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach out to more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Now, if you haven't done so already, um, I am offering access to a free weekly newsletter that we send out every Sunday and it would, and it's jam packed with podcasting tips and health and wellness tips to keep you balanced, um, in the podcasting and content creating space. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to this free newsletter. It's, uh, it's totally free. And it also gives you access to the, uh, the fitness Oracle private community in mighty networks where we talk about this episode, we talk about how to implement, how you have implemented these uh, lessons that you've picked up in your life and how it's impacted your life. And we are working on a lot of great other um, um, programs and and uh, support systems for you guys to be able to, uh, to access. So if you haven't done so already, sign up to the newsletter and uh, I'll see you guys on the inside.